Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hello there, it's Mike Williams, and uh, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Uh, Listen, this episode we're going to call I Can Recall a Time. I want you to think back and Relax for a moment, and as these words come across to you, I want you to remember these times as well because we're going to learn a lesson here. Before 2008 and 2009 so rudely interrupted the market's pathway last decade, I recall how the media hated the idea that we simply did not save enough. They trotted out experts with wonderful graphs and gave them their five minutes in the sun to tell us the end was near for the lack of consumer savings. They said, you know, we just spend too much money. That's our problem. We, we don't save enough. We don't think of the future because, after all, it's awfully scary. Well, guess what? We sure fixed that. In four short years, we doubled the amount of savings. That's a massive amount of savings. Way back at the bottom of the tech bubble when everybody hated the whole world, we only had $2 trillion in the bank. And then when 2008 and 2009 finally brought us to our knees and everybody was terrified, we had $4 trillion in the bank. And you know what? We've got $8.3 trillion in the bank today. Strangely enough, I don't hear those experts telling us that anymore. After all, the $8 trillion in the bank at an average run rate of about five times multiplier in a normal U.S. economy, that's nearly $40 trillion of economic activity locked up in a nice, quote, safe place because now we're saving and the experts' warning has been met. But it's all earning zilch. And of course, now those same experts tell us our real problem is the consumers are just not spending their new wealth and gas cost savings. Nope, they're not spending it, and you know what? They're saving it, and guess what? That's bad, too. If it was not so misguided, it would be hilarious. Think back again. For much of the last decade, the first 10 years of this century, there was a never-ending droning on and on and on about the weak dollar Those same experts were out there. They were telling us every time we turned around that the weak dollar was a sign of the deterioration of the United States in the global economy. There was chatter of all sorts of new currencies. Remember those? You got them in your email. There was more chatter of China taking control, the the yuan being the new global currency and the dollar becoming worthless. We were told that Gold would skyrocket, and Mr. Schiff and guys like him loved those days when they could sell you gold to all that listened to the dark rants of the future. The experts told us again the end was near because of the weak dollar. Well, guess what? We fixed that, too. And then some. The news now, of course, is the strong dollar is killing us and making the U.S. non-competitive 
in that same global economy that we were falling in. Instead, the experts tell us today that really what we need is the dollar to weaken so that we can compete again. Like I said, it's hilarious if it wasn't so factual. Anyone old enough to remember all the way back to the summer of 2008 can recall how scary it was watching crude oil rise by several dollars a day, week and week on end. Commodity hedge funds were the rage of the day, especially if you happen to be lucky enough to pick crude oil in your contract choice. In early 2008, I recall watching that luck be deemed as, quote, genius. And the pension fund consultants made their rounds to all their clients. And you know what the message was? You need more exposure to commodities. After all, they're rising. And exposed they did. What they lost sight of is the more money they threw at the same commodity guys, the more crude oil contracts those commodity guys bought. And in a thin market like futures, you can make it oil expensive even when there never was a crude oil crisis, as we have finally found out. Gas at $5 a barrel, $5 a gallon, sorry, I remember that summer, people stopped driving. And the oil hedge funds were making a killing. So were all the guys that hate us in the Middle East. In June of that year, I wrote a piece called Crude Crisis or Financial Terrorism. You can kind of guess which side we fell on that coin. I sent the report to every member of Senate and Congress. I have them all on a speed dial for their, ta their fax numbers. I can push a button in about eight minutes. All 535 of them have a page or pages from us. I got one call from the Department of Homeland Security. Can you imagine that? They wanted to know where I got the crude oil charts. I told them right down the hall from the government offices at the CFTC. I also told them they were released every Tuesday for the public to see. I guess they didn't know that. The point is the, the report was correct. But the experts at the time told us crude oil was going to $200 a barrel and then $300. They told us OPEC was going to rule the future and control our world. The media followed with a summer full of video coverage showing that dark future. The end was once again upon us because the price of crude was going to choke the world economy. All would fall unless you sold crude oil. Well, guess what? We fixed that too. In the end, $148 was terrible for us. But guess what? 12 weeks ago, we were told $26 oil was the end of the world also. Today, OPEC is a mess. Don't worry. When the price gets back to $60 or $70, that will be bad for us too. The Dow and new highs. I want you to think solidly about this for a second. I started in this business in 1982. I was still fresh and it was 1984, way back when you had to explain things like mutual funds. I think there were 600 at the time. Today, obviously, there's 8,000 and 8,000 ETFs. Telling someone then you were a financial advisor got the same response. Oh, you sell insurance? Well, I didn't, but you get the point. 
I cannot tell you how many times I read from the experts all the way back then that, quote, it's risky to invest in the rally in the Dow since it's never been this high before, unquote. Just so you know, it was about 1,200 or so at the time. Yes, 1,200. That's 1,200 on the Dow. But mind you, these were the experts in the day. We fixed that too. But the same headlines still adorn our pages today. Be certain of this. 30 years from now, we will look back on this time with the same amazement as one now sees a Dow at 1,200 in the early 80s. At Dow, pick a number, 120,000. Current levels will look cheap, and we won't recall being so afraid to invest at record highs today, given how bad the future looks. Be better prepared is the goal here. Look, I don't know what the next black swan is going to be or the event which will trigger the types of assurances we witnessed in all the times I've just discussed. The experts will be there, though, and I'm confident of this. A significantly overlooked event is unfolding at a pace which bores too many. Be bored at your own peril. Instead, stay focused and be prepared. This quicksand phase of the last 19 months has been masking very big improvements in multiple areas. Make no mistake, a giant bulge of people is starting to move through the United States economy. Yes, it's a yawner for those unprepared because it's going to take about 30 years to unfold. It's the same reason the Dow went from 1,200 in the early 80s to 15,000 just 18 years later. It's a sleeper for those unaware. There is a barbell economy at work, and that is where investors should focus. The U.S., the third most populous country on the planet, and still the largest economy at $18.1 trillion, is set for positive population and, most important, working age population growth for the next 20 plus years. Just as important, we're going to age more slowly than any other OECD country. We also have a very positive replacement level fertility rate augmented by continued immigration of all things. China continues to get all the press about size. They have a population explosion too. Guess what? It's old people. The number of its citizens aged 65 or older is growing over 4% a year, making China the most rapidly graying population in world history, rivaled today only by Japan. Now, we should all remember what happened when Japan was going to rule the world in the late 80s, right? Listen, don't get lost in the expert noise. Instead, look for the summer swoon and the doldrums ahead. You can bet there will be plenty of political headlines to rock the crowd and get your attention about how terrible things are. The quiet of the summer will make the media antsy and the headlines will get more dangerous to get your attention. And believe me, it'll work. 
You might be sitting on the beach, but you'll be afraid. Our senses will buzz with the impending doom itching at our brains. It will cause us to feel certain at this time it's, it's really over, the end is near. There are so many reasons for it that one would not be held accountable if you lost track at times. As long-term investors, we need to recognize our hurdles are what made the life we see around us today. Every piece of technology, every process, every business or tool created was to solve a problem, to make us better, to produce more, to increase margins. The system works. It has for hundreds of years. Even if painful, frustrating, and boring at times, even when it stands still for 19 months, like the markets have, it's working. What does not work long-term, repeatedly, is betting against it. We have to think this for at least the next 25 years. Think demographics, not economics. The U.S. leads the world. Count people first. Money and economic growth will follow. Be patient and be disciplined and be ready to take advantage of a summer swoon while everybody else buys into the media garbage. Hope these thoughts have been helpful. Have a great day out there. Until we see you again on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.